Hello, everybody. It is great to see you all here this morning. Um, I was last out here in July. Um, I had to go back and have a look at when that was because that feels like it was just a month or two ago. Um, I don't know who was here for that, but I remember it was a freezing, cold, horrible, windy day. Um, And now here we are, we're in the last month of spring and we are well and truly on our way to Christmas and summer and the end of the year, which is very exciting. And I know some people here will be like, yay, Christmas. And then there's others that are probably thinking about all the deadlines and all the presents they need to buy and everything that needs to get done before Christmas. And I think I'm a little bit of both this year, but it is exciting. And I'll just wait for my iPad to turn on again. So what I want to speak out of today came from an experience I had a few months ago, and I was listening to a song, and it is a song that I'd heard a couple of times before, but there was a lyric that really jumped out at me. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where maybe you've been listening to a song or reading the word or talking to a friend, and it's like the Holy Spirit just hits you here. He just strikes you in your heart, and you know in that moment that he is speaking to you. So I had one of those experiences as I was listening to this song, and the lyrics were, only you define me, only you refine me. And it actually wasn't one of the written lyrics, if you know what I mean. It was just the singer singing out in worship, doing their own thing, but it really struck my heart. Only you define me, only you refine me. Only God refines me, only God, sorry, defines me, only God refines me. So this morning, I want to speak into those words, into definement and refinement. And I actually spoke this message at QE2 last week, and I told them, I warned them, that they were going to hear these two words and the variations of them many, many times. So Jeremiah, you guys might know Jeremiah, the campus pastor, he of course counted, which if you know Jeremiah, that is such a Jeremiah thing to do. We love him. He counted, and I think it was 40-something defines and 30-something refines. So you, Selwyn, have been warned as well. You are going to hear these words a lot. Hopefully, I don't get them mixed up and I get the right order, but that is what you are in for this morning. So don't say I didn't warn you. (laughs) So these words, they struck my heart. And the actual written lyrics in the song regarding defining and refining go like this. All I want is to be like Christ to be like Christ, heart and soul, every day more and more defined as your love refines my life. And that is what it is all about. We want to be like Jesus more and more every single day. We want to know him more, love him more, seek him more, and follow him every single day of our lives. So I looked up the definition of define for you all, or you could say, I asked Google to define, define. (laughs) Warned you. And I know define is a simple word, and probably all of us know and understand what it means. But I wanted to dig deeper into the definition of define for you, keeping in mind the lens of which we're looking through this morning, which is the lens of how God defines us. So define to state or describe exactly the nature or meaning of, to make up or establish the character or essence of, and this one was cool, I liked this one, to determine or identify the essential qualities or meaning of whatever defines us as human. So defining is a simple word, but the implications of how we define ourselves have a huge impact on us and our lives. 
And we can look beyond what defines us just as human into what defines us as children of God. And while refinement is more of a process, which we'll get to in a second, definement, in my view, is a done deal. When Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, when he paid the price for all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our mistakes, every wrong thing that we have ever done, doing, or could do, he defined us in that very moment. He defined us as his children. He defined us as worthy of his sacrifice. He defined us as righteous and redeemed. And I want to pretend for a moment that God has a dictionary with all of our names and definitions about all of us. And I know he has his book of life, but this is a different thing. This is his dictionary. Joe, could you pass me that notebook? Thanks. So play along with me for a second this morning. This is God's dictionary. It is pink. It has spots. It is definitely not an accurate depiction this morning, but that's all we've got. So let's see. Dave, dearly loved child of God, bought at a price and adopted into the family of God, his workmanship and made in his image, redeemed and righteous, holy and beloved, free from the shackles of sin and death, more than a conqueror and an heir with Christ. Rebecca, dearly loved child of God, bought at a price and adopted into the family of God, his workmanship and made in his image, redeemed and righteous, holy and beloved, free from the shackles of sin and death, more than a conqueror and an heir with Christ. Does anybody else need a reminder this morning? I can, I can do it for you after the service if you like. I've got all your names in here. But that is what God thinks of us. Thanks, Joe. That is what he thinks of you. That is how he defines you. He defines you as his child, free and known and loved by him. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And I love this verse. Because it is talking about lavishing his love upon us, not sprinkling. God doesn't sprinkle his love upon us like a salt shake. He doesn't just give give us a little bit of his love. He lavishes it upon us. He pours it out from the depths of who he are because that is who he is. He is a loving father who defines us as his children. And there are many things that we can define ourselves by. Some of them are good. Some of them are maybe not quite so good. We might define ourselves by our love for our family or our work ethic, our career, our personality, things like that. Or we might define ourselves by our past, by our mistakes, by our failures, by the ways that we fall short. But no matter how we may choose to define ourselves, nothing, nothing, nothing compares to living a life that is defined by the love of God of the Father. When we live out of that place, knowing that we are children of God, knowing that we are loved and accepted by Him, we live in a place of peace and freedom. And we live in a place of peace and freedom because we know with God's definition of us as His kids, that leads to that life. When we hold true to God's definition, we don't have to hold on to what we have done. We don't have to meet our own expectations of our work ethic, our careers. We get to live knowing God and knowing his love for us. 
And Paul the Apostle says in Galatians 6 verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul is saying here that he doesn't want, in fact, he refuses to boast in worldly success and achievements. He doesn't want to bring glory to himself in his name. He simply wants to boast in the cross. He wants to make known what Jesus has done for him and for every single person that he meets. He's saying here, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. It doesn't matter what the world values. I will choose to place my trust in Jesus Christ. And just as Paul says he doesn't want to boast in his successes, he also doesn't want to hold on to his past and his mistakes, of which there were a few. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 to 16, this is Paul speaking. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Does anyone else feel like God requires immense patience with them? I do sometimes. But Paul didn't boast about his achievements. He didn't boast about his missionary journeys. He didn't boast about the churches that he planted. He didn't boast about the leaders that he raised, the spiritual sons and daughters. He didn't boast about the vast impact that he had on people's eternities. He didn't boast about all of the hardship and the persecution that he had to overcome. But he also didn't dwell on his past. He wasn't fixated on his mistakes because he knew that it was only Jesus that could define him. It was only the work of the cross and the work that God did in Paul's heart and his life that determined who Paul was and what he lived for. And that is why Paul could say that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And that isn't saying that he didn't love the people of the world, because he did. He gave his life to see people come to know God, and that is loving your neighbor. But he didn't love the ways of the world. He didn't value the same things that the world valued. He didn't place his trust in the same things that the world placed its trust in. And that's the same for us. As followers of Jesus, we don't value the same things. We don't have our sights set in the same place. And I think it's important that we remind ourselves often, every day in fact, that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We have an eternal perspective as God's children. And when we are defined by God, when we understand the worth and the value that we have because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are willing to let go of anything that could rob us of that God-given identity and purpose. When we can start to understand the way that God sees us, the price that he paid for us, we will start to live not out of our own achievements or failures, our joys or pains, our successes or our failures, but out of the way that God sees us. Instead, we will see the wonder of being defined by God full stop not looking to what others think, not looking to our own abilities or our own attributes, but nothing compares to defining yourself by who God says you are. But God is not only our definer. He is also our refiner. 
And I don't know about you, but that word refinement or refine doesn't really bring up warm fuzzies for me. That doesn't really make me excited about what is next. But I really felt to talk about this this morning, that God is also our refiner. It's important to talk about what refinement is and what it means in our lives. So refine means to bring something to a pure state by removing imperfections. Does anyone have any imperfections this morning? (laughs) All of us. The process of refinement takes away unwanted materials, or dross as it's called, leaving just the good stuff left over. And I was going to fill you in on the process of refinement too, but it turns out that there are a whole lot of different methods, and within each of these different methods, there are a whole lot of different steps. So to keep it really simple this morning, we're doing refinement for dummies. Bad stuff gone, good stuff stay. That's basically it. When we are tested, as it says in Job 23 verse 10, I will come forth as gold. And I don't know about you, but I'd quite like to come forth as gold. That sounds quite cool, doesn't it? That sounds flash. I would not like to go through what Job had to go through in order for him to come forth as gold, that's for sure. But there is a purpose in the pain of our refining seasons. And this is the process that God sometimes takes us through. A process of going through the fire and coming out the other side changed, coming out better. And this sentence I'm about to say, if you take nothing else away from this morning, this is what I want you to remember. It is because God defines us that he gets to refine us. It is because God defines us that he gets to refine us. He is our definer and our refiner. He is the one that created us. He is the one that knows us inside and out, truly better than we know ourselves. And it is because of this that he has that place in our lives where he is able to shape us and mold us more and more into the person that he has called and created us to be. And I've got a bit of a roller coaster passage of scripture for you this morning from Psalm 66, verse 8 to 12. And you'll know what I mean in a second. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us as like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. So it started out really well, didn't it? (laughs) Praise our God, all you peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard. And I really like the end bit, you brought us to a place of abundance, but I'm just feeling a bit uneasy about the middle. I'm just, it's just not really sitting well with me. You, God, tested us. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. Not so keen. But you brought us to a place of abundance. You brought us to a place of overflow. If we are able to surrender our will to his will, if we are willing to face the fire and go through this process of refinement, we will come out in a place of abundance. We will come out stronger. We will come out with less limitations. And I say that this morning because that is what refining does. 
It takes metal, it takes the material, and it takes away what is not needed. It takes away the dross, it strips away the impurities, and it leaves only the qualities that make that metal fit for purpose. So when that metal is as it should be, it can go and be what it needs to be. And it's the same for us. The process of refinement takes away in order for us to come out the other side stronger, more ready to go and be what God needs us to be in this world. Refinement throws off limitations, and that is why the psalmist writes that on the other side of refinement is abundance. Christ-like character is the goal. I'm not talking about fire for the sake of fire, challenge for the sake of challenge, and struggle for the sake of struggle. I'm talking about seasons or situations that God would allow us to walk through because he has a plan. Because there are things in our lives that he wants to change, he wants to take away and remove in order to make us more like him. And it's not always easy. In fact, I don't think it's ever easy for our initial response in the face of one of these trials to be one with an eternal perspective. It's not always easy to seek the holy silver lining to make up a phrase there. We don't always wonder what God might be up to. I know for me, if I'm faced with a challenge or a struggle, my first thought is not, hmm, I wonder what God's doing. I wonder how I'm going to come out the other side of this better. That's not our initial natural human response. Our human natural response is, oh, really? Like today? Like doesn't the world know everything that is on my plate right now. Why do I have to now be facing this? Romans 5 verse 3 to 5 says this, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So here's the thing, church. We don't necessarily desire difficulty or suffering in our lives, do we? We desire comfort. We desire a certain level of predictability. We're not really interested in pain. But if I have learned anything through my life yet, it's that it's in these situations that those characteristics are developed the most in my life. It's where my character has been strengthened. It's where I've had the most integrity when I have been facing difficulty. I've gained the most wisdom through situations I'd hoped never to be in. I've learned to be more compassionate and empathetic because I can relate to others through my struggles. I've become more resilient. My faith has been tested and has come out the other side stronger as God has brought me through. And I can hold on to hope because I've seen evidence time and time again that God has not left me in the midst of the battle. He has not abandoned me. He is still with me and he is still at work. And I don't know about you, but those are qualities that I want to see in myself. I want to be able to persevere through challenges. I want to be compassionate. I want to be resilient. I want to be full of faith and hope. And it is in the struggles that those qualities shine. Like it says in James 1 verse 2 to 4, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. He has already defined us. He has told us who we are, but he wants us to see that process of refinement through so that we can go and be everything that he needs us to be. We can go through this process of refinement knowing that we are secure, knowing that God's definition of us never changes. God's definition of us as his children, loved and known by him, never changes despite what we may be facing. So my hope this morning is that in the midst of your struggles, no matter how big or small they may seem, is that you would be reminded, and I would be reminded, to hold on to the eternal perspective. Not to run from the refining fire like we so naturally do. That's our first instinct, isn't it? But to take a step back in those moments and ask yourself, I wonder what God might be up to right now. I wonder what it is in my life that I might need to change as I walk through this refining fire. And even if that's all you can do in that moment, it's just to remember that there is a purpose. Do that. Just remind yourself, God has a purpose. His plans remain the same. No matter what I am facing, big or small, good or bad, God has a plan. We live in a broken world, and whether we are walking through a challenge that is designed to refine us or life is just being really hard, that's valid too, we can hold on to two things. Number one, we are not alone. And number two, from Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Team, could you guys come up and join me? As we come to the end, I want to read those lyrics out to you again, the full version from that song. All I want is to be like Christ, to be like Christ, heart and soul, every day more and more defined as your love refines my life. God has defined you. He has defined you as his child, known and loved by him. So please know, if you feel like you are walking through the fire of refinement right now, God has not changed his mind about you. He has not changed his definition about you. He still sees you the same. He still sees you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon you. That is the exchange that Jesus did on the cross. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin and our shame. So when God looks at you now, He sees the righteousness of his son. Only he defines you, only he refines you. So don't let what the world would say about you or about what what you would say about yourself define who you are. Don't let your worries, your mistakes, your fears, your past, your successes, your achievements define who you are. Because in the light of all of that, in the light of how God sees you, it all fades away. His love is incomparable. It is immeasurable and it is relentless. 
And it is because of this love that he has for you that he wants to continue refining us. He wants to us to go through difficult situations that will shape and mold our character so that we can go and be all that we need to be in this world. So that we could see perseverance, character, and hope developed in our lives. So that we could become more and more like his son and more and more like the person that he has created us to be. If you would stand with me, church, I would love to pray for you this morning. God, I thank you so much that you define us as your kids. God, that you love us so much. You love us more than we could even imagine, God. And it is because of your great love for us, Lord, that you want to see us grow. You want to see us develop. You want to see us become more and more like you. God, I pray for anybody right now that feels like they are in the middle of a refining fire. God, I pray that you would remind them to lift up their eyes. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It helps it comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, I pray that you will remind those people right now that they can always look to you. God, even if it feels like you are distant, like you are not there in the middle of the fire, you are. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will breathe a fresh wind on everybody right now, Lord, and just remind them that you are still at work, that you still love them, you are still moving, your plans remain the same. And God, for those who feel uh, like their definition of themselves isn't matching up with what I read out. Lord, I pray that you will show them who they are in you. God, that they wouldn't have to deal with this insecurity and this um, even crippling fear and anxiety about who they are and why it doesn't measure up, Lord. But I pray that you will show them this morning that your Holy Spirit will come and meet them exactly where they are and that you will tell them who they are, that they are loved that they are cherished, that they are adored by you, that you lavish your love upon them, God. Lord, I pray that all of us would be bold enough to face up to that refining fire, to look beyond what we can see with our natural eyes, Lord, and see that you are at work. See that there is a kingdom purpose in everything that you do, Lord. And Holy Spirit, as we worship, I pray that you will come. God, that you will have your way in this place this morning, Lord, that you will be touching hearts. You will be reminding people of who you are. You will be speaking into people's situations this morning. God, we just honor you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are, for everything that you have done. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's sing together, church. Let's lift up his name. Let's praise God for who he is, for everything that he has done for us, and for his love that he lavishes upon us. Thanks, church.